Bites, it's Angela, and today we are going to talk about how to move past getting stuck in your career. This is something that I have heard from more than one person lately, so I know it's going around. This idea of being really good at something you don't love. Because you're really good at it, your firm wants you to keep doing it and you feel like they're not seeing your other good qualities and you're not getting a chance to continue to grow other avenues of your career that you really want to explore. Another problem is you may feel a little bit of guilt or obligation that because you are as good as you are at what you're doing, what will happen if you refuse to do it or you move on, that you would be somehow leaving people stuck or at a disadvantage. And finally, there's a little bit of the ego because you are getting rewarded in some way for a job well done. It feels good to have the mastery that you do of a skill set. It feels good to have people thank you or praise you for doing a good job feels good to know that you're making a difference. However, all those good feelings are actually keeping you stuck to go outside of that comfort zone and get what you really want feels scary. If you are feeling any or all of these things, stay tuned because this is going to be a really good episode where we totally unpack all this stuff and get you dislodged from that career rut that you are in. Welcome to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architect. Okay, friends, this is going to be an amazing episode. But before we dig in, make sure that you have put it on your calendar this Saturday. I'm so excited. We have our Stressless Success Workshop. It is at 4 Eastern time. Yes, there will be a recording, but if you can at all show up live, you are going to want to do it. I'm giving away prizes. There are some great opportunities when you are on the call to get your questions answered. You can go to architectingpodcast.com. Sign up right there. There's a link on the front page. You can go to my Instagram account and click my profile link. And you will be able to sign up from there. You can go to the Architecting LinkedIn page and there is a pinned post all about the workshop. So lots of different ways to get your seat. It is totally free because I want there to be no reason for you not to say yes to yourself. This is going to be 90 minutes and we're going to have so much fun. I have a lot of great information to share with you about how to really claim 
success on your terms. And that means we're going to rewrite the definition of success so that it matches your potential and what you really want, what is going to make you feel happy and fulfilled. And it's not going to look like anybody else's definition. I am going to hold a mirror up to a lot of premises and habits that exist in our world that we don't even think about. We just believe in them. And that is the very definition of beliefs is things we just accept as true unquestioned. We're going to start questioning some of these things because they are keeping us from living lives we love, lives where we are fully actuated and really feel in our purpose. And I'm also going to talk about how success does not mean working harder. It does not mean depleting yourself. It does not mean chasing validation and saying yes to everything. Success is a very different thing. And when you're doing things that are feeding your success, you are building energy, not giving it away. We're going to explore all of that. It's not just me talking at you at all. I'm going to give you some really good breathing exercises and meditations because getting grounded and out of the chatter in our head is important. Calming down the stress response so that we can activate our creative mind is important. You can take those with you into your everyday life. I'm going to give you some exercises to do to really provoke some aha in you. I'm going to be teaching you about the science of all this. So I'm not just talking about this stuff because it's, you know, a bunch of woo-woo crap or it feels good, but in real life it doesn't work. There's actually physical reasons why a lot of what you're experiencing in your life is happening and it's real and there is science behind it. And I study a lot of this science, both for what I do here at Architecting, but also in my work. My career as an internationally known architect is built on something called salutogenesis design for well-being. So I am constantly reading academic papers on stress and on what cues us to feel empowered versus disempowered. And I'm going to be sharing all of that with you. Plus, I will be able to take your questions and I'm going to be giving you some really good things that you can do the very next week when you go to work. Do not miss this. Get your seat. I can't wait to have you there. This is really going to be fun, guys. When I do these workshops and I only do maybe two, three of them a year, they are such powerful experiences and they really are catalysts that make you start to shift your thinking about what is possible for you. Today, we're going to talk about getting out of your career rut. As I said at the start of the show, a lot of times when we're good at something, there is a reward attached to that job well done. And that reward is both internal, we feel good about ourselves, and external. Other people notice that we did a good job and they appreciate it and they thank us and they praise us. We can start to get into 
a little bit of a comfort zone over the things we can do well. And maybe the things we can do well are important skills. So we tell ourselves that we need to do more of it. However, if we go down this path for too long, we start to get deeper and deeper into the groove. So kind of like a canyon is formed by a river that just keeps eroding its way through solid rock, you continuing to do a limited set of skills really well just entrenches your identity with those skills more and more and more. So I hear a lot of young architects say, I don't want to be the rendering lady, or I don't want to be the Revit monkey. You know, just because I know how to do this really well and it's an important skill doesn't mean it's what I love to do. And this can happen throughout your career. You know, you might be a really good code person. So you become known as the code person or the spec person or the CA guy. At first, it might feel really good because people go to you, people respect you, people know you for something. But if what you're doing isn't really taking your career where you ultimately want it to go, that's where there's a problem. So if you love writing specifications and you're really good at it and you are taking that to a whole different level and it is really fulfilling you that your knowledge of products and means and methods is advancing the industry and what is getting used and how we're shifting to better, more efficient methods of construction that are more sustainable for our planet. That's one thing. That's not a rut. On the other hand, if you're the spec person and you're just pulling up master specs and you know exactly how to customize them to communicate as clearly as possible the team's design intent and making sure that it's holding that contractor and subcontractor to a standard, that's good and that's important, but it may not feel fulfilling to you. It's a little bit of this idea from geometry class, you might remember that a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Just being good at writing specifications, that's being in the rectangle category. Using that same skill set to advance the industry or to pursue something you're really interested in, in terms of maybe better ways to build or innovations in the industry, that's what makes you the square. And we always want to be the square, right? We don't want to be the rectangle. And the square is a rectangle. So all the things that are important and good about being a rectangle those are in the square, so you're not leaving that behind. You're just becoming more, becoming something that is uniquely you, but also is precious and special and feels exciting to you versus important but not exciting, important but not inspired. And that's where 
a lot of us can lose focus because if we're doing something that feels important, that other people think is important, that we have mastery at because we can do it really well, we can go a whole lot of years never realizing that we've been stuck in that career rut going deeper and deeper and deeper into it, but then wondering why it doesn't feel exciting to do our job, wondering why we feel maybe exhausted and burned out, or maybe just frustrated that other people are getting opportunities that we want to get out of this rut requires different thinking than how we got into it. So the first thing to do to think differently is to go back and look at how did this happen in the first place? A lot of times, especially early in our career, we know that we have a lot to learn. If someone gives us an assignment of any type, we take it on and we look to do it as well as we possibly can because this is the thinking in our culture about working hard, about performing, about pleasing people. We never stop to think about whether this is a task or a chore that we really want to stay with. So we take on what's asked of us. We do it to the best of our ability. And if it sticks, we keep doing more of it because it feels good both internally and externally. Our motivation here is the culprit. Um, it feels good when we do something well, when there is certainty. That's another part of this. To stretch yourself, to grow, to evolve, that means you have to embrace uncertainty. Uncertainty can be scary, especially if you're getting more and more and more of this validation from being exactly where you are. So we have our motivation problem. We have our comfort problem and safety. And as human beings, we are hardwired to seek out safety. It feels comfortable, feels safe. Our natural tendency is to want to stay there. But as human beings, we're also curious. It's why our species has evolved from being hunter-gatherers and cave-dwellers to doing all of the amazing things that people have done and inventing all of the amazing things that people have invented. People are curious. And as much as we biologically have a hardwired need to want to stay safe, we also have an insatiable curiosity and need to explore, need to ask what if, need to experiment, need to try. Where our wires get crossed and make us a little too predisposed to safety is how we look at failure. Failure is not biological. Failure is very much a cultural construct. It is not part of who we innately are as people. But failure in our culture 
especially around certain things like your career, has become associated with danger. So it doesn't feel safe to fail because what could happen? You might be ashamed or embarrassed. You might lose your job. People may talk about you, right? There's all these things that don't feel safe about failing. When in fact, failing is neutral. It's simply how we learn. Lots of situations where we don't even think about failure. If you ever watch a baby learning to roll over or crawl or walk, you see this urge that the child has to do these things and that it takes some doing. Lots of failure involved here in attempt after attempt after attempt before they actually get that skill and can do it. And nobody says, you stupid baby that you can't walk. What's wrong with you? You should just be able to stand up and do it. You've seen enough other people walk that are all around you. Why can't you do it? Nobody thinks that way, right? We know that the baby has to work at developing the coordination and the muscle strength and the physical development and all of that that goes into walking. And we know that the only way that is going to happen is if the baby fails and fails and fails, but the baby fails forward and eventually can walk. Same thing when you teach your child to ride a bike. You don't say, what's wrong with you? You've seen plenty of people ride a bike. I explained to you how it works. Now get on there and just ride it. We put training wheels on. We work with them on how to operate the bike. When they've got that done, we take the training wheels off. And we know it's going to take some amount of effort, some amount of failure before they master the skill of riding the bike. What's different between those two examples, learning to walk, learning to ride a bike, and how we think about our career? The fundamental difference is we don't doubt that that baby will walk. Never for a minute. So we don't look at the failures through the lens of the failure signaling that the baby should stop trying. We don't doubt that the child will be able to ride a bicycle. Therefore, we don't see the frustration and maybe the scraped knees that happen as they learn to do that as a signal that they should stop. We don't say, oh no, you fell off your bike. Well, we are never gonna do that again. We're gonna sell that bike and you will never, ever, ever have that experience. No, what do you say? Let's try again. We'll clean up your scraped knee and then we'll get back on. Because you don't doubt, you don't doubt that it is in fact possible for the child to learn to ride the bike. Therefore, you don't view the failures that they experience through the learning process as a sign or an omen or anything else. It's just part of learning. When we get to our careers though, boy, we have one stumble and we take it as destiny that we were never meant to do that. In the context of our career, failure has come to mean something really different than it does in the context of riding a bike. 
And it's because we don't believe that we are ultimately meant to get paid to do work that we love and that that work can be meaningful and have impact. We don't believe that. Even though we see examples of it, we don't believe it. Therefore, we feel very uncomfortable when we try to move into that. And because of that, the minute we experience failure, we already didn't feel safe moving out of our comfort zone. Now it is catastrophic that we experienced a failure and we don't see the failure as learning. We see the failure as danger and therefore a sign that we should retreat back to where we are safe. Think about that. Think about how inevitable you feel living your dream is versus how risky you feel it is. And if it feels more risky than it does inevitable, this is why you are staying stuck. And the last bit of advice is to train your replacement. If you do something that is important to your company, if you do it well, if you are the go-to person for that, but that is not something that you want to be doing five years from now or 10 years from now. If there is nowhere to grow within that skill set that excites you, you've got to stop being essential because as long as you can do something that's important to other people and do it well, guess what? You're going to still keep doing it. We tend to only look at the world through our own eyes and we see how we've grown. We see how we can do more. Other people aren't paying that much attention to us. So it's really easy for someone to still view you the way they did five years ago. If you don't show up differently, if you have become the go-to renderer and you continue to be really good at it, in their mind, that's your job. If you are that person who knows the code in the minds of your coworkers and your boss, that's your job. You got to make sure that you are not leaving gaps, both because you will hold yourself back if you feel like the work is suffering because you're not giving it your attention as you try to move on to something else, and because people will be reluctant to lose the role that you are filling so well if that's going to mean that there is a gap. And it goes back to this idea of fear. We often don't want to train our replacement because we think that if they become as good or better as what we're doing, people won't need us anymore. So again, there isn't danger in that. You are empowering other people. And when you empower other people, you're empowering yourself. As we train our replacement, and I don't care where you are, what you're doing, even if you don't think you're in a rut, train your replacement because it will allow you to do more than what you are already doing. It will allow you to explore directions about what you're doing that you can't today because you only have 
so much time. It will give you that resource. Think really hard, no matter where you are, what you're doing, how can I train my replacement? How can I be that mentor for someone else, that leader, that way shower? Because that skill of leadership is also going to benefit you as you move forward and pursue your individual career dreams. But it's also going to shift how other people perceive you. It's going to break you out of the rut and it's going to give you opportunities to be curious and to really make a difference. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Do you feel like you are in a rut and do you resonate with how feeling fear of moving forward out of your comfort zone, failing are the reasons? You can share your thoughts with me on LinkedIn, on the Architecting page, or at Architecting Podcast on Instagram. Tag me when you do. I love hearing from you. And remember to like, rate, and review the podcast. It really does help more people to find this and to hear it and to benefit themselves. Share your thoughts with a friend. Let's keep the conversation going. And remember to sign up for the workshop for even more immersion in topics just like this. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired. Mm-hmm.